Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life beneath the surface. I remember a friend, um, speaking to a friend who had suffered with what I would call a spirit of rejection. Um, It's very interesting because if you just think of it on the surface, you would just say this person's making bad choices. And that spirit of rejection, sometimes you don't really know where it started, but you can kind of sense it in your choices or in someone else's choice. They just keep cycling and making bad choices over and over again. And they're probably just going with what they're desiring to do and what they want to do, and that's maybe all they know because on the surface it doesn't make sense. Logically, they know it's not working. They keep doing it. And this person had had, had, had a wound from one of their parents who isn't perfect. Come on, who is? And so whatever way they interpreted their parents' behavior, they felt rejected. And because they felt rejected by a certain behavior that their parents were, um, their parents were participating in, they then somehow, some way decided, or not decided, found themselves in situations like their parents were in. And they would go for people, when they went for relationships, they would go for people who were like their parents. I mean, the dysfunctional side of their parents, they would find people just like them. Even though logically in their mind, on the surface, they knew this is not a good idea. They find themselves falling in love. Looking for, they nearly were searching and looking for failure. But in their logical mind, they were just going with the flow and just going with their feelings. And I'm so in love, I'm so excited, da, da, da. But then fast forward a year, five years, and the same thing would happen that happened with their parents. They would get rejected. So their value system was off. But, but the problem with this situation was it wasn't, you couldn't fix it on the surface. Logical thinking wasn't enough because when this driving force deep underneath the surface got a hold of them, they would just chase the wrong kinds of people. The wrong kinds of qualities. What they needed they actually didn't like. (laughs) What was good for them, they actually didn't want. You see, what was at play here was a spirit, something beneath the surface, something deeper than what meets the eye. And I think it's so important, if you don't think that the deepest part of you is a spirit and you're just logical, well, a lot of things in your life won't make sense. And as you watch other people, it won't make sense. Because God sent the Holy Spirit. Why? Because there's a satanic evil spirit that we're competing with, and God doesn't play games with just side by side. God's about replacement. He says, the old man is going to die, and I'm going to replace you with a brand new man, a brand new person. That's why people are going through baptism tonight. The symbolism is death to life. It's, It's replacement. Your old life is gone. The new life has come. You take on a new identity, a new spirit. What is this? A spirit is your driving force. It's, it's where your ideas are derived, the deepest part of who you are. It's not just your mind. It's not just your emotions. Where, what's beneath that? So I'm going to go into this scripture. I'm going to read it all. I got this from our soap during the week. 
in Matthew 9, verses 17 to 29. And I want you really to tune in. This is Jesus here. He's in the middle of his ministry. And we're going to follow along, verse 17. This is the amplified version, so it's a bit more uh, creative in the way it writes. But I I like it because I find it easier to understand, more descriptive. And so it goes on to say, And one of the throngs replied to him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a dumb spirit. And wherever it lays hold of him so as to make him his own stronghold, it's in control of him, it dashes him down and convulses him, and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth. He's lost control, and he falls into motionless stupor and is wasting away. It's destructive in his life. And this has been happening for a long time. And he answered them, Oh, unbelieving generation without any faith, how long shall I have to do with you? He's talking about his disciples. Not being able to cast this thing out, not being able to deal with this thing. He's talking about connection, unbelieving. What's that mean? Your connection with God. You're not connected enough to God. You don't have the power of God. You're, you're looking at things on the surface. You're trying to do it with your might, the might of your mind, your own personal strength. And God's saying, you've got to go deeper than that. How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus is a bit annoyed, but frustrated. So they, they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, at once it completely convulsed the boy. And he fell to the ground and kept rolling about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long? Everyone say, how long? How long has he had this? And he answered, from the time he was a little boy, something shifted, something happened. See, the the, the length of time matters. Why? Because the root system grows over time. The, The more the time, the more the roots have ingrained into thoughts, behaviors, beliefs. Verse 22, and it was often thrown him into the fire and into the water, just destructive, intending to kill him. But if you can do anything, do have pity on us and help us. And Jesus said, you say to me, if you can do anything, all things can be, are possible to him who believes. So beliefs are a gateway to the Spirit of God moving in our life. We need the belief to allow God's Spirit what happens when you become a new, a new believer? You believe. When you believe, then the Holy Spirit is invited in to save you, to sanctify you, and to set you up as a disciple. But you believe. At once the father of the boy gave an eager, an eager, piercing, inarticulate cry. Come on, anyone ever cried like that? An inarticulate an ugly cry, ugly tears, stank face, trying to hide. Come on, girls, you can put all the makeup you want on, but that eyeliner is getting smudged. That kind of crying where you just can't, people look into your eyes and you're watering. It wasn't pretty. Some of you need to go down to the back today and get some prayer and do some ugly crying and get it out of your system and understand it's a safe place and understand this is how we get beneath the surface. And he said, Lord, I believe, constantly help my weakness of faith. Are you with me? You still with me? We're coming to the main point here. There's about three people with me. Come on. 
We're nearly done. Verse 25, but when Jesus noticed that a crowd of people came running together, he rebuked the unclean what? The spirit. Saying to him, you dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you to come out of him and never go into him again. And after giving a hoarse, clamoring, fear-stricken shriek of anguish, it was a bit weird. Some of you would be freaking out, you know, if you come from a different background. Like, oh, it's all that weird stuff. Sometimes you're weird. <laughs> yeah, you might hide it, and it might be in your car or in your room at home, but you're weird too at times. Come on, as a kid, when you were told to go to bed at night and come off the Game Boy or the Wi-Fi went down on, on, on your 56K modem, you're weird. You started shrieking and convulsing and crying and freaking out because you didn't get your own way. It can sometimes be a bit weird. It says, the boy lay pale and motionless like a corpse, so that many of them said, he is dead. Jesus, you've messed this up. You've made it worse. At least he was alive before. You've made it worse. But Jesus took a strong grip of his hand and began to lift him up. I want to be that kind of church where someone is just lifeless in their emotions, in their heart. And we put a hand of fellowship out to people and we lift them up in their most unattractive state. When they're most unattractive to the world, in faith we see attraction, the attraction and the love of God and the potential in people. Those are the people I want our church to be attracted to. And he stood, and when he had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not drive it out? And he replied to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. So, so I don't know about you, but sometimes when I hear words in the Bible, like prayer and fasting, or leaders in the church, deacons and elders, sometimes you give, we, I can give too much validation to the word without under, actually understanding what is the role, what does it actually mean? Because the word is, doesn't have power, it's, it's the function. There's not magic about, because it, this is what happens, if you just pray and fast, and they're lifeless prayers, and there's no faith in your prayers, and like these guys, they were, they were trying to cast out demons, and they were praying, and they were fa fast, and doing whatever else, but the, he's like, you're not really connected to me. Like Anna said, you're, you're, you're reading the Bible, but it's dead, there's nothing coming to life. So, so it's how you pray, and how you fast, with actual faith. And so the first point is, prayer connects us to God, and fasting disconnects us from the world. It's not just a diet. When we pray, and we actually give God our heart, not just our words, it's not just lip service. The point of it is to connect to God's heart. And when we do that, we start to sense God's heart and feel God's heart and, and see God's heart on the page as He, as he convicts us and shows us the correct ways in which we should live and where we should go. And as we fast, we're feeling the pain of disconnection, of not being able to eat certain foods or go on uh, Facebook or whatever kind of fast you've done. It should feel painful. But you're saying, God, I'm feeling this pain right now because I want to connect to you. I'm more hungry for your presence. I'm more hungry for your voice than I am hungry to get a, 
instant gratification through whether it be food or being online. And I'm telling you, you know what that does? That drives the speed. That drives the shovel on your Jesse B deeper into the soil. And, and you start to, to be in a position to uproot some, some things which are holding you back. That's what Jesus is talking about in the Scripture, beneath the surface. Verse 25, it says, When Jesus noticed that a crowd of people came running, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, You deaf and dumb spirit, I charge you to come out of him and never go into him again. See, see Jesus was speaking to a spirit. He was going beneath the surface. He didn't speak to just thoughts or, or renew your mind with these five classic thoughts. Read this book, 10 Ways to Overcome bad thoughts or bad beliefs. He spoke to a spirit, to the depths of that person's soul, to whatever had, it was holding on to them and causing all this kind of dysfunction in this boy's life. See, God moves in deeper ways than we think. I'm not saying that in just, you know, like a, a, a cheesy line statement. I'm saying that like literally. God moves in deeper ways than we actually just think because we think on the surface. Some of you, you're feeling all kinds of confusion in your mind right now. Or you're feeling weight of guilt. And you don't, really, you, can't, you don't really know why. On a mind level, on a thinking level, you, you can't put your mind on it. or You can't, you can't put your pulse on it. Or, or maybe some of you are, are going through dysfunctional sin. And you keep doing the thing that you know is wrong. And you're struggling. You don't know how to release it, but you know it's there. And you can try with all of your might in your mind and just willpower, but you don't have the power in your willpower. And so you keep falling. And you keep repeating the cycle. I'll tell you a story. Uh, another friend of mine who struggled um, probably with the spirit of rejection. Let me actually tell you a little bit about what the spirit of rejection is because I missed this part out. What is the spirit? Why do I want to say, there's all kinds of different spiritual things. That he, Jesus obviously called out a, two different spirits. Um, but the spirit of rejection is a, is a big one because think about it. If man, male, female, if our greatest need in life is to feel loved and accepted, yeah? We all agree with that. No matter who you are, what you believe, we all want to feel loved and accepted. Well, then the opposite is also true. If our greatest need is to be loved and accepted, our greatest fear is to be rejected. And so we probably all, to a certain extent, struggle with the spirit of rejection. It stops us from doing things, from going places, from speaking up. It has a hold on us to a certain extent. And here's some of the things that might happen if you have a spirit of rejection. You always feel like you're missing out or you're too late to the party or you're too late to life. You're always behind. You always find yourself comparing, but it never seems to be enough. You're never enough. You never meet the mark. No, what's this? This is, a, this is a big one. No amount of encouragement is enough to convince you of your worth. You like encouragement, but it's just instant gratification. It, it does you in the moment, and then you need more. 
It's a spirit of rejection. There's something deeper. There's something hungry in you that's eaten up. Your validation. You feel rejected if no one just even says hello or, or you're very easily offended. You constantly seek approval. You're trying to prove yourself publicly. You feel like nobody understands you on the inside of what's going on. That's the spirit. The deepest set. And so the beauty and the good news of that is that God wants to renew your spirit. He actually wants to give you a, a new spirit which will breed confidence, which will give you the authority to not just have confidence in God and His identity of who you are, but actually to come into other people's rejection and cast out and speak to the spirit of rejection and say, no, in Jesus' name, that is not who you are. That Jesus died on a cross for your sin. He loves you to the depths of your soul. If you can get to the spirit, you can get the Jesse B. Digger in you can start to uproot those dysfunctional roots of rejection, it'll change your life. Can I get an amen? amen? God moves in a deeper way than we think. I have a friend who had that. He doesn't really know where it came from. He was always doing things which were causing him to get rejected by his peers and became a bit of a mockery, a mockery object. And it's weird, isn't it, how... The bullies often have been bullied. Spear of rejection. And he had this experience as a young kid. Something happened to him in, in, when he was four or five in his local estate. And he experienced rejection. Someone just picked on him. And that shifted something in the depths of his being. And he, 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 he received it. Didn't know he received it. He just reacted as a human being. Felt he wasn't good enough, worthy. Why these kids not like me, something wrong with me, all those things, and, and it started to manifest over the years, and, and then here you have it, he's, a, he's an adult, 20 plus, he's looking for validation, and he ends up, everyone finds different ways of validation just to get through, he ends up addicted to porn, uh, and he would share that with me, and he'd share that with no one else really, and it it was a problem. He knew it was wrong logically in his mind, in, in his brain. And he knew it wasn't helping him. And it actually, when he went to go and look for relationships, he would always go for people that he probably subconsciously knew would reject him. And I kind of, as a friend, I'm like, mate, uh, I'm not sure this is going to work out for you. I'm sitting from the outside thinking, you're not going for the type of people that are probably are a good fit. But I was like, maybe I'm wrong, but it just the cycle continued for years and it was just hurting him and hurting other people and he was getting defensive and he was getting angry and dysfunctional, broken. And then we had a, a mission team came over and it was a team that focused on breakthrough and the spiritual beneath the surface kind of stuff and that was the whole purpose of the team. And he actually came to that team and he told me, he says, I confessed. I just went for it. I, I was sick of it. I was done with it. It was eating me up alive. It was ruining my life. It was causing all kinds of insecurities to come to the surface. And he actually had the guts, the courage to share with these guys, this is what I'm struggling with. I need help. I need a hand. Pull me up. Can you do something? I'm desperate. And he says, 
he just felt so loved in that moment. The team were just so loving, so caring. And they just prayed to the spirit of rejection. And they prayed redemption in Jesus' name. And I promise you to this day, he would tell me 10 years on probably, its, it's hold was broken in that moment. He says, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened during that prayer time, but something happened, and it was deep, and I haven't struggled with it ever since. And I'm telling you within, I'm just guessing now, but within a few months, he met his wife. The spirit of rejection. It was the spirit. The problem wasn't, go do your gel better. <laughs> that can help, by the way. Go wash, that can help, but it, that wasn't the problem. He was doing all that. He was going to the gym. He was on the bench. That wasn't the problem. It, his spirit was pushing the very thing that he wanted away. And he was attracting dysfunction. But he had to get beneath the surface. And I'm trying to encourage you today that life isn't just all what it seems on the surface. The people you're comparing yourself and feeling insecure about that you're competing with in your mind their life isn't as good as what you think on the surface. God didn't just come to try and deal with surface issues in your life. He came to change you from the deepest part of you inside out. We've got to go deeper. We've got to get into Scripture and allow God to get into our heart, but we've got to do it with people. See, what happened was God used people to give this man a hand up. Some of you are feeling the weight heavy today. <laughs> Come on. Can you find it in yourself to have the courage to just, just let it out? He confessed. Who cares anyhow? Life's short. People, do, people have got their own issues. They don't really care. If someone's looking to pray for you at the back, they, they want to help you. And so I just love that scripture where it said, they said he is dead, but Jesus took a strong grip of his hand and began lifting him up. That's the kind of church we are, that we want to be, that we strive to be, that when people are in the lowest of their lows, that we have an outstretched hand to lift you up, to speak life. Everyone else is saying it's over. They have no hope of meeting someone. They have no hope of a job. They have no hope of getting saved. I hate it when people say, he would, you wouldn't invite him to church, would you? What? That's what we built this thing for. It's those guys. It's those people, the people that the world writes off. And in your humanity, you write off. But that's not God's church. That's our church that has limitations, that has impossibilities. What did Jesus say? For nothing is impossible to those who believe. Let's stop writing people off, writing God off, writing situa situations off, writing your own story off. The past does not have to dictate your future, but you've got to get beneath the surface. The tree can fall. The tree will fall. You can uproot it. You're going to need help, and you're going to need a hand of fellowship. You're going to need a prayer. You're going to need a confession. The Bible says in James 5 and 16 that when we confess our faults, not to God, to one another, then you'll be healed. Woo. 
but I've told God, but, but James has got onto something here. He's saying, you've got to tell other people. There's something about confessing to one another. God, God saves us, forgives us, but he, he's built a system that we help heal each other. It's his way. And that still brings glory to his name. Because guess, guess who's Jesus on the earth now? It's us. His people. Guess who, who's Jesus' hand now? Who's picking those people in dead situations up now? It's us. Jesus' representation on the earth today is his church, his people. We're his team. We're his disciples. We're his representation. If we don't step up, the world don't see Jesus. The spirits don't get cast out. People don't get healed. People stay in dysfunction. What a beautiful team to be on. What a beautiful group to be a part of that brings a genuine light into the world, but it's not this surface nonsense. It's not just coming and sitting in a pew. It's we got to get beneath the surface. Can I get an amen? God didn't present a formula. He didn't just say, because this is what they wanted. The disciples were like, what's the formula? We, don't, we prayed. We, we cast out the way you done it, Jesus. It didn't work. And Jesus' response was, well, you're unbelieving. What's Jesus assessing? He's not assessing. The, I'm not saying that you didn't cast out the, the spirit or the demon. I'm not saying you didn't say it with your mouth. Jesus is saying, no, no, you weren't connected to me. You weren't saying as I see. You, did, you were just saying as lip service, the same way sometimes we can worship. Come on, has any, have any of you ever been here and you've just been speaking stuff, but your heart's, you're thinking about next week, you're thinking about your kids, you're thinking about the fear and the worry. And so, so it's just lip service. There's no power. But as soon as you start to believe those words, confess those words, give God genuine praise in your heart, what, what happens? The mountains fall. The mountains don't seem big any longer because faith rises up because it was genuine. There was faith in it. It was real. God didn't present a formula. He presented a relationship. So when we pray, we're connecting to God as a person, Jesus as a person, the Holy Spirit as a person. It's not this kind of one, one, two, three step and it just works. God wants more. He wants us. You know, you hear some of those verses that scare you when people come to judgment day and Jesus says, Lord, 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 we prophesied in your name. We spoke. We said things. We done things on the surface. He's like, I never knew you. I never actually knew you. You were doing religious behavior, but I never knew you because the power comes when we get beneath the surface. The real stuff is beneath the surface. When you love someone, you're committed to someone, it, it looks like going beneath the surface, going through the pain, dealing with your rejection, getting healed up, putting the work in. Forgiveness takes work. text dealing with our flesh and allowing it to die because of the name of Jesus. Come on, let's go ahead and stand.
So prayer, it connects us to God. And fasting disconnects us from the world. God moves in deeper ways than we think. God uses people to give us a hand up. We are his people. God, God didn't present a formula. He presented a relationship. It's about the heart. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.